Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank all of my listeners who come back again and again and again. Listen to the words of wisdom from our authors. And today, joining me, Elisa, where are you joining me from, actually? Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. Um, is Elisa, and that's Mendes. Is that correct? Did I pronounce nope. it right? Almost, almost Medhus. It's not an easy one. Sorry. Medhus. Okay. And she's written a book um, and her son's name is actually before her because actually this is about uh, Eric, uh, her son, who committed suicide coming back and actually coming through, Elisa. And it's My Life After Death. And this is really quite an interesting book. I want to let my listeners know that ahead of time. Can highly recommend it. Um, very intriguing um, what uh, Elisa has written here. And Elisa, I'm going to let him know that you're a physician and a mother of five who's practiced internal medicine for over 30 years. She's the author of three award-winning parenting books and has lectured on parenting for schools and parent groups, corporations. After the death of her 20-year-old son, Eric, um, she began journaling in her grief and blog calling Channeling Eric, E-R-I-K dot com, a strong belief in science. She formerly viewed, uh, viewed spiritual matters with skepticism, but she's obviously come a long way since then and is now joining us, speaking with us about um, what Eric has been really kind of telling her from the other side. Now, you know, the um, the book is at points graphic, Um and, you know, Eric's life story is truly amazing, um, bipolar young man. Um, I know the issues of suicide for personally, I was a member of the Yellow Ribbon Foundation and I organized a chapter here in San Diego to help prevent teenage suicide prevention. Um, can you tell our listeners a little about Eric and what you believe really led up to his suicide? Well, before he was 14, he was just such a remarkable kid. He was very, very affectionate. Uh, but he also had, and you can see this in his, in his writing too, he also had this mischievous streak. Uh, and he used to love to tease his, his, uh, his siblings or his parents. We were the brunt of many pranks from Eric. Uh, but when he became 14, he started uh, going into this dark side with his bipolar disease, and he was very often depressed, yet he was still just really, really sweet and kind to his friends and, uh, and his family, very loving. I don't think any, any telephone conversation would end without an I love you from him. So he always, was, he, he always basically had this way about him, which was, you said he went to kind of this dark side, as you're saying? Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and what was that all about in your mind? Just the, was it the bipolarness? Oh, yeah, it was definitely the bipolar disease. Okay. He would just be so depressed, and it would take uh, a new hobby or a new possession to try to get him out of that temporarily. But, you know, as you probably know, bipolar disease is often a terminal one. And mm-hmm. in his case, it was. Yeah, and I have a brother who's got bipolar, so I understand um, sure. what what you were dealing with. 
you know, you're, you're, you're pretty graphic in this. You had a housekeeper, Maria, um, and you actually called her on the phone to go check because she heard the loud noise um, when your son committed suicide. Um, and you heard the scream and Maria called you saying that she'd heard this loud noise. You wanted her to check on it. And your intuition told you that your son had committed suicide. What, what was that like? I mean, that was the way you describe it in the book is just truly amazing. And obviously I was part of a teenage suicide prevention group. So it's explain to our listeners just what your intuition intuition his mom was telling you oh gosh it was really strange first of all let me tell you that eric is really the author of this book all i did was transcribe and make little tweaks like to his grammar if he flip-flopped between tenses or if he went from uh you know second person to third person and back again we changed things like that but otherwise it's his writing i was just the typist I'm, i'm a secretary but you know it was really weird when we left for lunch i just felt dread. I just felt something was going to happen. And there was no reason for me to think that really. Uh, And when she said she heard a loud sound, I don't know why I would have thought that he committed suicide with a gun because we didn't have any guns in our house. Uh We found out later that a friend of his purchased a gun for him because he was underage because they wanted to go target practice. Uh So uh, it was just a strange sense of uneasiness in my stomach in my heart as we were driving to go to lunch leaving leaving him behind alone with maria in the house well now you mentioned that eric visited you from the other side almost immediately after a suicide um what did he want to tell you and the family on those first visits that he made to you um after he committed suicide that he was okay. And, you know, I see that this happens in a lot of uh, cases when uh, deceased loved ones try to get messages to the ones that leave behind. It's almost always to let them know, hey, I'm okay. I'm not suffering anymore. And uh, the first visit I, that was so impactful for me was not to me but to my atheist father. See, that was really difficult for me being raised by atheists and being a physician Living in a world of science, it was very difficult for me to answer the question, where is Eric? Does he even exist anymore? But then three days after Eric's death, my my atheist father, I mean my militantly atheist father, okay, called uh-huh. me on the phone panicking, saying that Eric had just appeared right before him and then transformed himself into a little boy version of himself and crawled up to his lap. So my father was so startled. And that's what started me uh, in my journey, basically, from skeptic to believer. Well, now you mentioned that Eric communicates through spirit translators, that he has told you about death, um, which what he's told you about death is, is very comforting. Um, you mentioned that it, it, it's your hope with this book to help to demystify death. What would you say he is really saying that you can tell our listeners about demystifying death? Well, it's not really the end. You don't really have a loss. You, you only shed your body. And, of course, the mental and physical illnesses that may have plagued that body in life. And you just transition into another dimension, a parallel dimension. That's it. Everything else is the same except you are bodiless and in another dimension. And that being said... 
he wants it, uh, it to be very clear that you can continue to have a relationship with your loved ones like I have with Eric. We uh-huh. communicate every day, not only through spirit translators, but, you know, I, I talk to him on my own as well. So he he wrote on his last day that it was like many other of his days. It was kind of a roller coaster. He really mm-hmm. hadn't planned his death. Um, how do you explain or begin to understand um, him wanting to end his life if it, if this had been like a typical day? What did, has he told you about driving him to that particular moment? I think he was just tired of disappointing people. He had um, taken a bunch of our possessions and, and pawned them, and so he got fussed at. And I think that was just the last straw. But it, it, you know, in, in retrospect, it was. But at the time, it didn't seem like much of anything because this was very common. These sorts of things were very common in our relationship with Eric. You know, bipolar disease creates a lot of conflict, a lot of family drama, and this was just one of those instances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know, you he you he says this that Eric states that he hung around you guys during the funeral arrangements, and that during the funeral. Um, he saw you and your husband kind of going back and forth. Um, what relief, if any, does to you, is it knowing that he was there to kind of provide you guys? Did you really understand at that point that he was there? Had you oh, been no. having? Okay. Okay. No, no, I was definitely not there. I was absolutely numb and not open to anything at all. But when he talks about, his visiting his own funeral that's one of the first times that you start to learn what the difference is between being a human and a spirit for example he was able to see people through different perspectives he could look at his sister Annika from above and you know face on or any other perspective uh, at the same time and with clarity plus he could perceive all these thousands of thoughts coming at him, but he was able to process them very clearly. So uh, in this book, you do learn what the what it's like to be a spirit and what life in heaven as a spirit is like. Well, you know, he recounts his transition to the other side and walking into the light, and it, it actually didn't happen immediately. Um, what do you have to tell our listeners about your understanding about his transition to the other side and not being afraid of this because he ultimately did walk to the light and he explains how he walked to the light. Um, That part I found quite interesting. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that and what you got it from the writing? Because obviously this whole book has been written from him through you. Yeah, actually uh, the spirit translator, Jamie Butler translated. I do not, I channel him, but I only do that for my personal reasons. Mm-hmm. I, I don't publicize anything that I channel from him, either okay. on the blog or in the way of books. But, uh, no, he says that um, that the way you cross over um, has a lot to do with the belief system you have about crossing over when you're alive. If you believe there's going to be a white tunnel, there's going to be a white tunnel. If you believe that there is no life after death – you're going to just experience blackness, darkness, nothingness for, for quite a time. Eric really didn't have much in the way of belief systems, and all, uh, all he wanted to do was hang around us. He didn't want to leave us. But eventually the crossing over process did occur, 
um, he felt like he was being dragged by some cosmic fisherman, I think he said in, in the book, but just little, pulled on, on a fishing line. And then all of a sudden he was in this white room. Yep, and then he made his transition, right? That's right. And then that's when he met my sister, Denise, who right. died several years before. Right. And Denise, Aunt Denise, who is his spirit guide. Uh, Eric speaks about afterlight and his vantage point from heaven. Uh, can can you tell us about the comfort that she kind of provided to him? Because it sounded like throughout this later part of this book, Aunt Denise was really uh, quite an element uh, in that whole transition. Oh, yes. They were very close. They're very similar both of them troubled in similar ways, although she did not have diabetes. She did take her life. I mean, she didn't have bipolar disease, but she took her life because she had so many complications and such a terrible life from her diabetes. And um, that was the first mile he saw. And mm-hmm. before that, he was, he was frightened of where he'd end up. Where was he? First thing he asked was, am I in hell? And Denise just laughs and says, no, just why do you think that? Because I'm here? So that was a little levity right after crossing over that that he enjoyed, and that provided a lot of comfort for him. You're right. So, what other spirit guides has uh, Eric met that have helped him in his in his transition from the other side to the well, other? I can't side. remember their names, and some of us he didn't really share the name. But his one person that helped him a lot was kind of a spiritual therapist called Kali, and uh, she helped him under, understand why he lived the life he did. He also, she also went over other lives that he experienced, future and past lives, um, and sort of helped him understand how they influenced his life as Eric Medhus. And uh, ultimately, he helped, she helped him forgive himself for taking his life. And so this, uh, this particular spirit guide it made him or made him okay with that fact that, you know, he had taken his life. Um, you know, Eric wanted to know why his path and separation had created so much suffering. Um, that is when God came to him, as he explains it in the book. Um, what have you learned from Eric's encounter with God and how has it helped you and the rest of your family? Well, he, he's taught us that God will appear to you when you need him or her, it's really genderless, in a way that, that, um, that you want. If you want him to come as a telephone booth, he'll, he she will come as a telephone booth. Um, and uh, he, he, he described God as almost like textured air. Sometimes there, there's no language that, that can explain some of the things that happen or that you can see in heaven, and he gets very frustrated. But in essence, he says that God is all there is. Everything is energy, and God is everything. It's this sentient, self-aware, all-encompassing energy. And and your understanding of that, because you didn't have a lot of spiritual belief yourself, what you're saying is you oh, know, no. your father was an atheist, and you came from this, this background of that, Obviously, Eric's death and his ability to come back to you has made a huge transition for you. What about your husband and the rest of the family and everybody else that you're around? Where are they with this? 
Well, I, I, I can't say that all of my friends will subscribe, uh, subscribe to these beliefs, but my entire family and most of my friends do. They're very open, and some of the signs that Eric's given us have just been so indisputable, like making uh, unplugged appliances work, calling us on the telephone, manifesting airsoft BBs at the ceiling and having them drop to the floor, uh, turning on water faucets right as we're watching, full blast. So, you know, you can't just always dismiss that. Plus, we actually have recordings of his voice on several radio shows, and you might want to listen to the recording of this one because he might uh, he might honor him us with uh, with his presence. And um, and so that gives us great comfort. There's just too much evidence to deny his ongoing existence. Wow, it's just so phenomenal when you think about it because you don't you know I mean you obviously hear about this but you don't hear about it to kind of this depth especially on a suicide now we've had a lot of famous figures one of the last one being Robin Williams who committed suicide what what is it that in in your mind Elisa um, when somebody goes through so much pain and suffering up to that point um, there's always been this kind of belief that you know, number one, that it's a selfish act, and two, um, because it's painful for the people that are left behind. Um, but the reality is, is that what are kind of your beliefs around this whole thing of suicide? You've had to have worked through this quite a bit, and I was involved with a with an organization called Yellow Ribbon Foundation for Teenage Suicide Prevention. Well, I, I think that you know what Kali said to, to Eric is that a death is a death. It's just like a birth is a birth, whether you come in C-section or, or breach or, or you know, head first or, or whatever, it's still a, a birth. And, uh, again, the same thing with death. So there should not be any judgment behind suicide. Mm-hmm. Because but there is how much but a there, person... But there, there is, is a lot of judgment yeah. in our society there's a ton of judgment around somebody taking their life versus them dying naturally or accidentally. Um, so it's, it's, it's almost this willful intent. And our society has really has this huge stigma around oh, yeah. suicide. Um, obviously, you must speak out. Um, I wouldn't say against it, but to try and give people some understanding. What, what would you, you know, just tell our listeners? Well, those who attempt suicide should not be judged. I mean, you don't know unless you've walked in their shoes what kind of pain they've had to bear. Um, so we need to basically uh, destigmatize mental illness as a whole and reach out these, to these people. The, those are, are the invisible scars that we find uh, uncomfortable to deal with. Uh, and Eric does talk about mental illness and how he felt like so different from everybody else. Like everybody was wearing the same size shoes and he was wearing shoes that were two sizes too small. And uh, and people would be afraid to connect with him because he was so different. So I, I think instead of just approaching it from the side of suicide attempts and, and you know, suicide, is we need to be preemptive and try to have a, a better understanding on a spiritual and a holistic level of mental illness itself. Well, that's a great way to, to frame that up. And it's also important that people understand 
not to put that stigma around it and to really understand that there is a huge, you know, the number one leading death in America is a result of teenage suicide. Um, and it's, uh, it's quite alarming that we have this many kids that are having this much in the way of challenges. Um, what would you want to leave our listeners with, Elisa, as an overall message about my life after death, this, this memoir from Eric that, that he's left for you and the rest of the world? Because the book is really, really, I just want to say to my listeners, um, at points it's, it's graphic, but necessary to get the message across, and it is Eric telling it in his words. What would you leave my listeners with? Well, you know, this book does so much to demystify the concept of death because you get so much detailed information, not only about death, but about life as a spirit and, and heaven. But what I've learned, and I'll tell you, transcribing this book has healed me like nothing else as far as my grief is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the overall message is that death is not the end, and you should continue to have relationships with your loved ones. And there's many ways you can do that. You don't just have to go through a spiritual translator. Well, you've certainly imparted some wisdom to our listeners this morning, and I want to thank you, um, Elisa, for being on with us. And there's thank a you quote. For having me. Uh, yeah, there's a quote at the top of this book from Victor Zamat. I guess it is. He's a doctor. And I love this quote. It says, my life after death will explain your understanding of mental illness, suicide, spirituality, love, and the afterlife. And above all, it is a book of joy, hope, and wonder. What a great way to put it. And I would agree with him because it takes you through the whole uh, process. Thanks for channeling, Eric. And for my listeners, if they want to learn more, about you and Eric, what are some of the best websites for them to go to and, and YouTube videos and so on? Sure, well, there's uh, the Channeling Eric YouTube site and has all sorts of just wonderful uh, sessions with Jamie Butler and other mediums uh, so Eric can share so much about death, the afterlife, and so, so much more, different things about the human experience included. Uh, the blog is www.channelingericwithak.com, and uh, that's a tight-knit group, big membership, all very loving, and Eric loves to prank members of the blog, subscribers to the YouTube channels, and buyers of the book, so be prepared. <laughs> well, it's a beautifully done blog, and again, for my listeners, it is Channeling Eric, and that's E-R-I-K.com. Uh, you'll find more information there. Um, certainly is a great blog. Um, lots of pictures of Eric that are kind of scrolling through it as well. Elisa, thanks for being on with us. The book is called My Life After Death, a memoir from heaven with Eric. And don't let me mess up the last names. Pronounce it for me again. Med- Medhus. Medhus. <laughs> and Elisa yeah. uh, Medhus, M.D., And uh, Elisa, again, thanks for writing this book. And I really should say thanks to Eric for writing this book and and, uh, letting us know not to fear death. Thanks for being on. Thank you for having me. 